Hello. Hi. How are you? Eh, I'm a little bit, you know, low energy. Low energy. Why yeah. is that? Because of the letter of the week. Really? Mm. What has it done to you? It's you. It's you. Does it have to do with me and you, as we say? No. Oh. It has to do with the shape of the letter. Like a little basket. Yeah. It's kind of blocks the flow. Everything goes inside. Bad like for the feng shui. Yeah, it's a little bit like uh, an existential condom. And all the deaths collected inside. Mm. That's why we have low energy today. Yeah, also the heat wave. Are we going to do a low energy show? Yeah, but it will be intimate with these good microphones. Ah, because we had some uh, complaints that the About last the show, mm. which of course the the shape was T. And T is very teeny, isn't teeny, it? Yeah, teeny, yeah, sharp. That's why we used uh, a teeny microphone mm. last week. Whereas now? You. And full of saliva that's collected in the basket of death. We're sending all our saliva to Peter. Peter, for you. So what's the first word for the day? Well, the first word of the day is very exciting, actually. Yeah? Uh, do you think we can handle it because we're so low? I think it will help us. It will be like a little... Wake-up call. Yeah, like a pill of excitement. Like electroshock. Like amphetamine. Great. And the word is? UFO. Uh, unidentified flying object. Yeah, that's the one. Or as they called it, or they used to call it in Greek, UFO. UFO. <laughs> UFO. 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 So... I Ma love this word. Is you it, love is this it, word is too, it in right? Italian also? We, you should ask Marcella. Maybe Ufo. in German also. Ufo. Ufo. Um, because they say Uhu for the... Uhu is the, the glue. The glue brand. I, I can see Ufo. Ufo. Being a German. I love the word in Greek because Ufo in Greek means... Is, fr is something from the 80s. Yeah, it's very 80s. It's like... Uh, I mean, UFOs are, are a very 80s thing yes. everywhere. They, they, well... They started happening in the 70s or what? Something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I think so. But the 80s was like the big UFO, like with ET and everything. It was becoming like a really common... Yeah, and there were all the sightings and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when the cameras became more like common, like people stopped <laughs> seeing Oh, UFOs. I didn't think it was that. Uh, when, when actual problems came, all oh, right, the people stopped... Uh, thinking about UFOs. Okay, let's go to the 80s first with the UFO. UFO, Greece. you mean the Greek 80s? Yeah. I mean the Greek 80s, UFO in Greek means um, it's a very beautiful word. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like, it's a, a kind of a, not really a swear word, yeah, like yeah. a derogatory term, Yes. but in a very cute way. It's a bit camp. Yeah, camp and cute, and it means someone who is like... Aloof. Aloof, uh, also not by their own <laughs> wish, though. Yeah. Like, unintentionally aloof. Yeah. <laughs> they are UFO. <laughs> it's a bit nowadays, I think, UFO. No. 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 I just think it's someone that is, um, that it's like absent-minded. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that, and that um, for example, they don't take into consideration the context in which mm. they're in. 
they're like a bit um but like doing their own thing but what was the in the 80s they were calling ufadika what some shops ah yeah ufadika is where the the places where ufo exists is the <laughs> is, is are the arcade UFO arcade stage. game <gasps> places oh because people who go to the arcades uh, are ufos i don't know if it's about that or if it's about the fact that in the you know there was space invaders right. and that stuff more. i imagine it's more that side as okay, opposed to sense. but 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 you know the 80s in Gre- greece was a very camp time so you <laughs> never know so but you know what with ufos going back to the unidentifiable flying objects so nasa said yes there are ufos oh uh, yeah last month or something yeah yeah and nothing like no six months ago no one cares it's like <laughs> it's like the question that they've been waiting for 20 years and NASA was, was like sorry uh, it took us a little while but, but, but now we're sure and everybody was like are you for real there's like covid and like yeah, russian war and yeah like prices are going up uh, yeah and yeah there are ufos whatever <laughs> but it is like that yeah it's kind of insane Um you know I don't know like the the aliens will come on the like t- live TV and people will be like okay wh- what's next like whatever That's <laughs> are they is it Putin that has paid them <laughs> to come to TV But you know what's my favorite thing about UFOs it's not the aliens it's not the Greek 80s okay it's not the arcade games okay uh what is my absolute favorite about UFO, UFOs or UFO as they call them in Greek is this that they call this type of peach you know the fruit yeah ah the flat ones yes they call them UFO, UFO <laughs> in Greece <laughs> and actually they are nice they are nicer than the big ones the flat ones are the tastier yeah, yeah they are they're very nice i agree and i don't like peach because it has all they're from the, china or something it has all they? the all of all of peaches from china i think is it i think so yeah. well as you know i i grew up in a peach producing town the most uh, the the most peach producing town in greece so i i don't know in europe rather i don't know uh, maybe it? in europe i don't know yeah yeah there uh, you like them I like the peaches. I don't like the skin. You don't like it that they're hairy. I don't like the I like hairy men. I don't <laughs> like hairy fruit. <laughs> fruit. <laughs> I like I I actually like uh kiwi. But kiwi But kiwi you don't need the the, the skin. Uh, yes, kiwi does not pretend that this hairy outside is edible whereas the peach is like all rosy and cutesy. So and if if the kiwi is the proper syrian men the, yes. the 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 peach is like the italians uh, yes Dark in the picture 
We're back. We're back. UFOs then, huh? Special. What do the UFOs tell us about the psyche? Uh, very good, very good uh, segue. I mean, they do, because it is about this fantasy of the of the other that is there and, like, l- is looking at, like, is, like, starting us from behind, like, I don't know, closed doors and stuff. So it is psychoanalytic. Um, it is the a little bit of, like, the doppelganger fantasy. Which brings us to the unconscious. The unconscious. But also another U word, the uncanny, which we don't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, are we going to put them together? I mean, they are together. I mean, the, the uncanny, both both the uncanny and the unconscious Freudian like concepts, right? Um, and they both have to do with the same thing, that basically there is a part of ourselves that we don't know, but is kind of somehow important and like, shaping our lives um, and in the case of the unconscious is about like what is this how do we understand that in the in the in the case of the uncanny is like this feeling that something uh, is close to us but is unknown to us and in the in the german word word works better because it's unheim- unheimlich so something that's like unhomely uh-huh. um anyway why did I? Uh, yeah, like so. Let's discuss about the unconscious. Okay. What a so great topic. I mean, I mean <laughs> it's like I like this show. It's like um, we've spoken about UFOs. Yeah. And now, uh, you know, in a rather trivia fashion, we're gonna move into two concepts that Freud spent twenty-five books speaking about. <laughs> it's um, the amazing thing for me is that before Freud. There is very little in philosophy in philosophy about the unconscious, about the non-thinking part of of ourselves and how what it. What were they thinking? Right, because now it's so embedded not only in psychoanalysis but also in pop culture. This idea that your dreams, you know, have a meaning about your life, for example, or or that you know you do things that you don't want to do because there is a part of yourself that is kind of making them make, making you do them so it's kind of weird that you know to think that this is so recent like <laughs> up until the i don't know 20th century <laughs> yeah that, that that was not the case but the, the unconscious i mean obviously the unconscious is something that we all have and we kind of struggle to figure out that's hence it's unconscious <laughs> so it like freud tells us oh how can we uh, access it or how can we understand our unconscious thought process and it's like the dreams for example classic but then it's the parapraxis so when you drop some, something yeah or you do something instead of doing something else or oh i was going to visit my mom and i took the, the wrong train and i went to ukraine <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, a little <laughs> bit edgy. <laughs> this this uh, comment. I don't know where it came from. Exactly, these jokes. Jokes. So people joke, but actually, their unconscious reveals itself. Uh, puns, like you say something like not puns, like double. I mean, puns. it's a little bit. It's a little bit um, strange to talk about the unconscious in this show, in the sense that we mm. do not rehearse the show. Uh, exactly. We just let it happen. 
very much. Which means that a, a free associations. Yes, a, a very f- large part of the of the show is from is the unconscious. From the unconscious, <laughs> straight from from uh, yeah from id. And you live in a. I am informed uh, from the control room <laughs> yes. that you live in a flat full of uh, freaks of the unconscious. Yeah, uh, very well put. <laughs> so uh, there are two psychoanalysts in my flat. Um, one of them I share the bed with. He's uh, <laughs> also my boyfriend. Right. Anyway, but the the funny thing is when you live with, obviously, and we have many psychoanalyst friends also, Um what fun times. Yeah, this is like our parties are <laughs> Party <laughs> legendary. Are, yes, yes. But the the interesting thing is about, you know, most people don't quite think about their, you know, parapraxis or like, you know, slips of the tongue or even dreams. Like most people don't think that much. But in our house, it's the exact opposite. So sleeps and, and you know, parapraxis are more important than things we say when while we mean than them. actions yes so it becomes this weird like it, it gets this weird currency um that like you know mistakes <laughs> are more important than the actual actions and things we say by accident are more meaningful than the things we you know pr- rehearse declare, yes. and declare and i'm not sure that's the right way to live your life I'm not sure if it's the right way to um, to, to share a flat. <laughs> yeah.
going to speak about the uncanny as a separate thing no but but as how I come why why weren't we going to speak about the uncanny is that is that an unconscious decision <laughs> just too much psychoanalysis i think to, to talk about the uncanny yeah but the uncanny has other uh, things to say about right the uncanny valley for example yeah do, do people know what is the uncanny valley ah do people do you want to uh, how, how do we explain the uncanny valley something that comes from robotics yeah and it's also extremely important for animation mm-hmm. especially 3d digital animation yeah um okay the theory and of the uncanny valley plastic surgery i think is relevant <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's not my background. I imagine yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the theory of the uncanny valley is that there is um, that the more you like when you could dis- when you create mm. a robot, the more it looks like human. There is a point just before you reach something that looks extremely like a human. Yeah, the one that is very near looking like a human, but just before. Yeah is uncanny yeah because it looks too much like a human but kind of dead yeah so yeah, it's yeah. like a living dead thing yeah like a zombie or something and that's that's for example in in that film polar express mm, mm. do you know do you know that film robert, uh, Zemeckis? robert Zemeckis, yeah. yeah like the children were crying <laughs> <laughs> so it's like horror. Yeah, they didn't. Isn't that a Christmas they film? Did, it's, yeah, it yeah. was not supposed they to be. Didn't, they didn't c- calculate it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't know this. Amazing. <laughs> yes, yes. With Tom Hanks and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was like a really unsuccessful <laughs> film. 
But you, you, you use the Uncanny Valley theory uh, to talk about culture, right? I use the Uncanny Valley in general because I like very much this idea <coughs> that Oops. there is something, there is like a graph which we can use for when something is so close to human yep. that it's like... Disturbing. Yes, but yeah. it's not like it's not quite there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and and i i yeah i like this idea <laughs> um what was the point you were making I, with pop music and the uncanny valley um with uh, madonna being just before the valley <laughs> yeah I, i i i like this idea of the um, of something that becomes progressively more uh intense more human-like Um, and before it becomes completely like post-human in a way, yeah. there is like a, a, a drop, <laughs> drop in quality, a, dr a drop in in emotional um, uh, genuineness, mm -hmm. um, and that's where someone, for example, can find Adele. Um, in in pop music in my opinion because Adele is so pervasively close to average human emotion right that it's that it cannot under any circumstance this be the work of a human ah i see this I is see. what i mean i like it so when it's more superficial it's more relatable And when it's more hysteric, it again becomes human again because it's excessive. Yes, but there is like this middle part, right, um, where one could find—I don't know—I would even say Portishead, for example, Ooh. and certainly Adele, which is just this—I don't know how exactly to put it, like non-non-hysteric enough tragedy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I could possibly put there Tom York as well yeah that that it cannot under any circumstance this be the motion of an actual human mm. it's just too um, it's it's I would not be surprised. That also is not melodramatic in a yeah in yeah a yeah and it's not, I wouldn't be surprised if this If it's Adele like is proved to to have to, all the songs are proved to have been written by AI, AI for example. But she only writes songs when she breaks up, you know. But <laughs> maybe she has relationships with robots. Serenity and tranquility. I support and the hippies. One is synonymous with the other. 
We're back. We're back. Our favorite phrase, huh? So Catch we're back. Phrase. Catchphrase. And uh, the next word is very um, difficult. It's difficult? Yeah, yeah. More difficult than unconscious? No, uh, less difficult than unconscious in conceptual complexity. But uh, I'm very ambivalent about the next word. Really? Mm. And what is the next word? Uniform. Ooh, as in like the uniforms we wear. Yeah, yeah, the, the noun, not the adjective. Uh -huh. um, why are you ambivalent? Uh, because there is a part of me that, Daxi, I'm really triggered by uniformity and uniforms, like, you know, the army, for example. And the police. The police, you know. Um, and all and the, and the mo uh, contemporary dance. Yeah, techno... Uh, parties in, in Berlin. Yeah. I really don't like, uh, unironically, you know, all of this equally. Um, but then, obviously, sexually, I quite like uniforms. O obviously? <laughs> Welcome to the Gemini world. Uh, I, I think, okay, I know that for some people, sexually, uniforms are a bit... Cheesy. Cheesy. Are they? I don't know. I think they're fun. I don't think they're cheesy for anyone. We've discussed that in our role-playing. Uh, Have we? Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, but I think they're afraid of them. Yeah, and like, it's, it's the thing with uniforms is that they're so powerful that even if you wear really cheap, like, for example, with doctors that we yeah. dress up as fita sometimes. Yes. In non-sexual <laughs> context. In non-sexual context. Um when you wear it, even if it's like a really shit, you know, uh, uniform, it immediately has this power. Immediately. The same when we dressed up I as mean, this is cardinals. You're eh? not saying anything, you know, I don't know, performativity, Judith Butler, etc., etc. Yeah, Clothes, yeah. fashion is part of performativity. It's really simple. You're not saying anything strange. No, but these, these, these particular like uniforms, they do it really. It, it's almost like silly how automatic, automatically it happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I would even, yeah, I mean, I think we've discussed all mm. this in the role-playing episode. We've discussed a example, lot of topics. Boots, <laughs> or boots we might have even discussed separately in beer. I don't even, Probably. I don't remember. But boots is something that is not even that much of a thing um, compared to, like, a doctor's 
outfit, let's say, but yeah. already boots, they have a different kind of, you know, you walk differently when you wear boots. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, it's not even, I don't know, I think the thing with uniforms is that it's partly the mythology around. Yeah. But it's also something to do with the way they're made. Right. Like and with the how they sit on your body. There is, for there is sure. something there. Or like the doctor's like um, blouse that is like longer. Yeah, and yeah. And and everything, the the police and so on. It's it's yeah. all and the and the army and, and they, they there is a there are they have a complexity in terms of what they do to the body. Yeah, and this is the other thing with uniforms. I mean obviously it's all it's about you know, taking many different people and making making them into one identity uniform yeah but like i'm really ambivalent about the uniforms in schools because obviously we never had i never had experienced that in in greece and our parents were wearing uniforms when they were going to school Mm -hmm. and they all described it as something really oppressive at least my parents and most of the older people i've spoken to about this and then when I moved to the UK, they wear uniforms. Yeah. And uh, lots of progressive people that uh, I've spoken to about it, they think it's good. Yeah, I've, I've, I think I've, I've told you this as well from my mm. ex who, who, who told me. Yeah. He wasn't a very good ex. But I occasionally mean, he said some good things. And he said that uniforms were about eliminating as much as possible the class, class divides. The yeah. And and <coughs> from friends uh, and my partner who went to a private school in Athens, yeah, the rich kid uh, flashy clothes trauma is really quite intense. I don't so know, maybe the, so the argument the argument of the uniform is not exactly irrelevant. It's really funny because I grew up just before social media were a thing. And honestly, even in high school, I don't remember, especially as a boy, I don't remember any discourse around fashion. Yeah, but we were from a small town. Yeah, from the village. So well at the same time I don't remember expressing so much of my individuality through clothes so I guess there goes that argument I don't know is it okay I mean you're fashion blind so it's not like you're not they call it fashion icon fashion icon yeah so it's not you're not really the right person to judge this I don't think but I think also I have the same experience growing up in another small town Mm. that there, there wasn't really such a you know, fashion-based class system in right, school. Right, that's what I'm saying. I mean, uh, now with but social every, media, uh, I guess all it's the all the people I know who come from a from a point upwards middle class area in Athens, they all have the same story to tell. With that the there is a really strong, you know, intense class system of poor and rich that has a lot to do with what some someone wears. I don't know with with the clothes and kids. This idea of like every every child is wearing the same. Yeah, it feels like North Korea. It is indeed. Yeah, but I don't think the UK and North Korea are that different. <laughs> yeah, that's why they're all turfs.
music isn't it I lovely love music. music my favorite thing in the world is the music of this show and um, I like the way that the music uh, in this show just kind of happened because it's not like we we said from the beginning or did we that it's gonna be like yeah we did huh? yeah from f- episode one <laughs> that, that, it, that it will be my records yes which uh, mostly are around the post-punk era yeah and you you remember we, we used to go to that studio and you would carry all the records with you uh, in, yes. in a suitcase and it would be quite difficult. That was in the before uh, COVID, in the 70s. In the 70s, yes. when we were working for a, a prestigious art institution of Athens. I'm, I'm, I'm realizing now that 2019 was actually the 70s. <laughs> eh, without the sex. So, shall we take another word? Yes. Speaking of sex? Speaking of sex, what's the next word? Uncle. Oh, dear. Um, I never understood this system of uncles and cousins and shit. Eh, okay, fair enough. Eh, like, what is it? What is it? It's like nothing. Like, who are you? You're a stranger. Like, leave me alone. I already have a hard time dealing with 
My like parents. grandmas. Ah, grandmas. Parents, whatever, forget it. Forever it will be a problem. Yeah, but, but it's also biological with parents, at least. Sometimes. <laughs> it's not. I don't care about biological. No, not biological in the sense that they make you. Biological in the sense that they keep you alive. Ah, okay. Yes. They keep, usually they keep you alive. They give you a house, uh, food. Uh, yes. Words. Yeah. Trauma. <laughs> Intense. <laughs> they keep you alive. <laughs> yeah. And, and no, and, and it's like, you know, the, you have like, you have like parents, you have like siblings, you have like grandparents. Mm -hmm. And then? You really don't need more of this luggage. But... What is this luggage? This cousins and 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 uncles and all that. But this because uh, of this idea that of the community that everyone lives together and they support each other in the pre-industrial times. Ah. And this is like all this like stupid, um, you know, um, evolutionary psychologists who say, oh, if you're gay. It is because you are the gay uncle and you take care of the children. Do you know these stupid theories? But there are always gay uncles. Yeah, because... Aren't there always gay uncles? Uh, because that's somehow how people, you know, how gay people used to find uh, their place within familial bullshit. Because they didn't have their own children. So they would be more present in their like nephews and nieces' lives. Uh -huh, I, I haven't see. seen mine since the uh, three for three years, but uh, you know, maybe I'm straight. <laughs> it's very <laughs> difficult to think of uncles separate to sex abuse, isn't it? Okay, <laughs> a dark turn. Y you didn't see that coming. I, I didn't see that coming, but you know who saw it coming? Who? Freud. <laughs> Did he? In his initial theory of uh, um, sexual, whatever, uh, kind of uh, uh, maturation of children, he said that there is always some sort of figure in the house that abuses the children. Because all of his patients had stories of abuse from usually an uncle or like a, a male relative. It's very difficult to, to, to think of... I mean, then he revised the theory, by the way. Uh, okay, I mean, not uh, theories are not to be taken. Uh, they're theories, you yeah, know. Yeah. It's not like you you put them in a in a scale and uh, three yeah. plus two equals five. Mm. Um, but it's very difficult to think of how this proximity with a stranger cannot lead to catastrophe. <laughs> Because it's this kind of forced proximity with someone... No! Who, what are they doing in my no, house? What you're saying is problematic. Is not problematic. It's annoying. This fucking... Uh, okay, only the nuclear family. No, I, I see what be, you mean. It I should be more open to other people. And uh, taxi. The uncles are problematic because they do all this sexual abuse. But... Uh, there might be other good people out there that should should be part of the family life. Okay, I didn't. I'm not. I'm not saying ah, that. So you say it should be chosen versus than this. Yes, of course. That's what I'm saying. That 
that like I'm, Godfathers and yeah, the, I think Godfathers and so on is great. I yeah, think, yeah. I, I think this system is fantastic. I just think that people that you kind of see that they would have a ni- nice kind of thing to bring to the no, and it's not even a, a question of it's not even a question of uh, of choosing uh, yeah. like uh, based on criteria. Yeah, it's just a question of 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 this like the nuclear family. I'm not saying I'm a fan, but it exists because the children will would die if they didn't have someone yeah. to feed them, right? I mean, you could have collective structures of like, you know, raising the children together, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Sure, but let's say an easy way to do yeah. do that is the people that made it, they, they also feed deal. it. You know? It's like, it. you you know, you are fucking vain and you want your genes to continue in this world yeah, because yeah. you obviously have nothing else to be proud of yeah. in your life other than that you can shit a baby at some point what <laughs> yeah okay I, I just wanted to make clear that I'm not this nuclear person that you almost framed me to be okay okay right so i wanted to make it as vulgar as i could you made it very vulgar thank you so there are these people who want to do that and okay they want to do that if you want to do that take the responsibility of taking care of of the child okay there are alternative systems and so on but everything else just seems to me all the other and and i think also Okay, I understand the, the 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 protection of the older people, they're like grandmas and so on. Yeah, because yeah. again, there is like a full circle of someone turning into a baby, basically. Yeah, yeah, and they need and, some support. Okay, that I understand, but the whole uncle thing is just, is is a forced proximity mm. with someone that you don't actually share things with. But cousins are cool, no? Cousins is, are what everybody Sexy. has their first gay relation gay yeah, experience yes that's <laughs> I, i'm not saying uncles are necessarily bad i'm just saying that uncles mm. and cousins are just sex
we're back. We were worried at the beginning of this show. It would be boring. Because of the condom shape. But the condom broke. <laughs> exactly. And little fita babies um, are everywhere on your faces. <laughs> beautiful. Um, okay, let's take another word. Um, <laughs> less spicy, I, I, I like the fact that you has this kind of dual thing as well. Yeah. It's like, because it has this, this UN prefix. Right. So the, the next word we, we, is a double word, ah, usual, right. unusual. Yeah. Um, I like this as a Gemini, obviously, I'm interested in this yeah. double word thing um usual unusual kala it's a really big topic obviously usual unusual um because it's something you know something that is kind of familiar and something that is breaking whatever the routine and it's it, to me is always this weird thing with me as a person i like unusual things i like things that disrupt you know how i understand things or how i see things so you like unusual things I think so. Like, mm-hmm. like I could say, like you know, the same goes with the things I like artistically. The same goes with the things I like to read, etc., etc. Sexually, I don't know. Sexually I mean, usual. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> my uh, did I tell you that my psychoanalyst told me? Oh, everything should be about sex. This sexually, in this episode. But my my psychoanalyst, it's you. You is a very you. It's about me. You, you know, you. How can it not be about sex? Ah, my okay. psychoanalyst told me that my sex life is not very avant-garde. Oh my God! <laughs> yes. What a shady comment. Very shady. But anyway, uh, off to you. <laughs> Uh, it is interesting. It is interesting with sex, I think. Anyway, and I was thinking about this mechanism and I was thinking about like, you know, people who have the same food, for example, and they are content and they actually get upset if it's if, if, it, if it comes different, if, if, if they encounter something different. And obviously, you know, all these things that link to racism, etc., etc. Cetera, et cetera. Anyway, I was in the rainforest the other day. <laughs> uh-huh. Where? In Costa Rica. Uh-huh. And we arrive the first day in the rainforest. And everything is very unusual to a point that is quite overwhelming, right? Like what? Uh, everything is big. All these plants that, you know, we try to keep alive and they always die. And there they kind of, you know, just grow in this on the side of the street and they become like 20 meters high. Okay. And the the first day when we arrive at the where we stayed at the room, um, I go to the balcony, and a toucan comes next to me. The bird. The fucking bird, and it, you know a toucan has a really long beak that's longer than its body. It, sh- it just doesn't make sense like how this exists, and it's like green and yellow and orange and and. and blue and like all kinds of like colors that shouldn't exist on an animal yes and it comes and looks at me and obviously the toucan is like whatever like you know having some fruit from the tree and just like chilling there are not that many dangerous animals in costa rica so they the birds are whatever they don't really have they have fun they're not afraid of anything um 
anyway and it, it leaves and i'm shocked i'm shaken i'm like oh my god what did i just saw this is too much this is you know an overwhelmingly unusual experience but i'm also enjoying it very much over the next three days many toucans come and uh, arakar is another type of toucan and they chill on this on the same tree and after the third time it's it stops being like this it becomes a usual experience and it takes so little time for the brain to be like yeah where it's just toucans chilling yes toucans it's toucans and i was thinking like how how quick this uh, process is for the human brain at least i don't know from I, in my experience of like the unusual becomes routine so quickly and for people like me that we like this unusual experience it must be interesting like how how little you can get in your life of this yeah it's like this uh armando Iannucci sketch which one the one about this person who is slowly dying because um he gets like a hemorrhage every time he experiences the same thing twice <gasps> oh wow <laughs> yeah it is like that and like and it's like the tragic <laughs> episode of his wife trying to like every day change all the objects around the house oh my and God. like every time he goes to work they try to make the the the, the bus route seem like it's in the war in vietnam and this <laughs> and, and it's, it's really difficult um and then the last in the typical yanucci a very dark existential thing in the last uh, bit says uh he passed away uh in that <laughs> day uh after seeing two sim- similarly almost the same identical shaped uh, um lightnings on the sky <laughs> <laughs> this is quite funny yeah anyway the last thing i want to say about so 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 you, you're talking about how there isn't really like the unusual is extremely it's like a glimpse a glimpse and what i want to say the last thing i want to say that people who exoticize things and and cultures they have to cons- uh, consciously like ignore this process of normalization in order to keep the the other into this exotic thing that always excites and amuses them you know what i mean so they they literally pretend that it's unusual yeah like they go to india yeah and every day they they see their their guru or whatever yeah but every day like it's like dory the, the you have to the be like that every day they're like it's not usual it's no. like it's extraordinary unusual, extraordinary again and again and again
Let's talk about sex. <laughs> not again. Not no, again. No not sex. again. No. We, uh, this this episode is it's uh, thirsty. Horrible. Profound. Profound. Wow. You episode. I uh, wanted to say profane. Profound. It is profound. But What's the next vulgar. word? Uh, undo. Undo. Mm. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It starts from the computer science Control Z. world. Control Z. I love it. It's also Control one, Z. It's also you one have of my favorite for like 20 years now. Com, com, like Command Z. Command. Ah, no, no, no. Control Z sounds nicer because it has it's the word true. control inside. Yeah. Command Z. And also YZ eh? As a, for the shortcut. Interesting. Amazing. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. It's like... Yeah. Undo it like... like Stop the ending. Before the ending. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. It's apparently I look it I looked it up and it's apparently quite an old um gift of the computer science to <laughs> the humanity. Uh, already from the early seventies they kind of they Yeah, that's not exactly an o- old word though. No, no, I mean Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's not from Shakespeare. No. <laughs> But I don't know. Maybe maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, I, no, I I I re- I really like it. I was I was I was gonna say, but you were talking earlier about that. It's one of my favorite Bjork songs. Ah. Um. And uh, she wrote it uh, after her uh, um, collaboration with Lars von Trier. Oh, she didn't like it. No. <laughs> the film is cute, though. But she wrote Undo, anyway. <laughs> it so wasn't worth the uh, effort Yeah. for Bjork. Yeah. She didn't do films afterwards. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I like it because it's like, it's this idea that things are are reversible. Yeah. It's a very revolutionary idea. But also things are not reversible. That's the problem. That's why it's revolutionary. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's not modernist. It's breaks, not. It's not about. It's not about uh, something that 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 works in reality. It's about uh, ideology. Mm. Um, I am someone who is very, as you have called me, a consequence junkie in my life. I'm that. someone who usually does something and usually believes that it's better to do something and then undo it than not do it. And how does it work? It's complicating. I think when it has to do with me, it usually works. With yourself? With myself and things. But when it has to do with other people... I don't think they have the same idea of undoing. Undoing. It's quite a Gemini thing. Oh, we're going back to astrology. But to, I, to, un- to undo. I think this idea that you can undo things, because for us... Doing something is not really it's not real. a declaration. It's, it's always like... You, <coughs> you know, do. You do things. Actions are on the same level for Geminis. As unactions. <laughs> no, as words. So, you know, for some people... Words are more important. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know, for some people, it's like, oh, you can say things, but if you do things, you cannot take them back. And I'm like, unless someone dies in the process. Yeah. In which case. There is no undo there. Well, you can do the, you know, like uh, CPR. Pumping. (laughs) (laughs) With the electricity, the electric CPR. Um, Undo. (laughs) Yeah, but let's just say that. Yeah. Let's leave death aside. Yeah, suicide and like falling from buildings and so on. Difficult to undo. Yeah. And again, another, I don't know why, another of our favorite comedians, Chris Morris, Mm. a sketch in Jam with the guy who who wanted to commit suicide, but he wasn't sure. So instead of falling from the 50th floor, he fell 50 times from the first floor. (laughs) just in case he changed his mind at some point during the process but then he doesn't (laughs) yeah it's like suicide with undo options i think it's yeah i think more people should be open to the undo uh, option into in in their life i mean i wonder if undo has to do with um physicality as well to an extent yeah, what do you because mean? Because it's like, for example, if you have a knife mm-hmm. and you cut a fish in the middle, mm-hmm. you cannot glue it back. Yes.
halfway through are we mm-hmm. oh. time flies time flies and in terms of the project abc of Ida. abc of Ida is finishing oh my god it is it's, um we are on the l- final round let's y- say yes we've got five more after this nothing yeah and also d- d- can you believe it that we are going to finish this project okay let's let's not jinx it because there's no undo, <laughs> as we said. In death. <laughs> um, so what's the word? Underwear. 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 Okay. Underwear. You, uh, you start. Yeah. What is underwear for you? There was one time I was having a, a romantic encounter with a gentleman. And after sex, we were chatting, and he told me, what are the important things for you? Because clearly, making lots of money is not something you are thinking about. And I was like, you know, we we didn't know each other, so I was like, why why do you say that? Why do you say I don't want to make lots of money? Uh And he said, look at your underwear. <laughs> he and he was right. You don't want to make a lot of money. I don't think it's one of the core issues that kind of motivates me in life. And your underwear is reflecting that. Shabby. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. I have another underwear anecdote I would like to share. Uh-huh. Maybe you can find the connecting dots. I'll try. You can find the connecting bits anyway. Um, so I wanted to buy a nice leather sh- pair of shorts uh, for a performance we did. Uh-huh. And I went to a fetch shop in Soho in, in London. Yep. So I go and I I try to find, you know, the right size and I take one and the shop per, like assistant uh-huh. comes to me and and he's asking, um, I, but do you wear an underwear? And I said, yes. And he said, but do you wear a straight underwear or a gay underwear? What does that mean? I was very confused. I was like, I assume he meant... Tight like, versus tight. non-tight. Tight. And I was wearing like a tight underwear. So I said, a gay underwear? I, did, I didn't know. Are there any other options like a bisexual underwear gender non-binary and then i i i i kind of uh take off my shorts and he looks at my underwear and he says this is definitely straight darling whoa in a thick polish accent oh i didn't want to bring (laughs) east europe into the picture because you don't want me to get i think gayness is the important aspect and you don't think there is like a gayness slash east europe axis there i think i think oh but you know i have the other problem now you you spoke of poland and i'm not allowed to call it uh, east east europe because petros is going to say that it's central europe and send me all the links 
Poland and Central Europe? Apparently, I I I I I also thought it was East East uh, Eastern Europe, and it's actually Central Europe. Okay. Yeah, I looked it up. Geography. Geography. I mean, obviously, <laughs> culturally Eastern, but whatever. Yes. Anyway, so uh, I think there is something about Polish rudeness there because he was very, you know, another assistant might have thought but wouldn't share there is some intersectionality mm-hmm. anyway and i was like okay even if we accept this division of underwears is the gay underwear good i think there are hideous this kind of aussie bomb kind of ooh, you know yeah i mean i think the, the gay underwear thing what do you think it's like it's like the gay underwear is like it's just not not letting go even in the last moment (laughs) i agree it's like it's like you know it's like doing a tattoo on your on your penis that says gay <laughs> so when someone <laughs> sucks your dick it's like just in case this is a gay dick in case you were afraid that there might be any kind of possibility you're sucking the wrong dick it's extremely reactionary i think gay underwear i agree extremely reactionary. i mean also ugly don't let me stop or maybe should i get started on underwear in general yes Underwear and sexuality, unrelated. (laughs) (laughs) No, I want to hear more about this. Okay. (coughs) What's the Okay, we're talking about men now, I think, because obviously with like the female, like, you know, fancy underwear and stuff. No, no? we're talking about everyone. Universalist. I think think we're talking about everyone. I think... I think what's the the, the thing with underwear? What is it? Okay. Um, That you're getting as close to being naked without being naked. That's the thing. Yes. Um, Underwear is like an excuse. Yes. For people that want to sexualize clothes, Mm -hmm. but don't dare to. Because those who dare to sexualize clothes... They go all the way. And in general are in a difficult space of private and public divide. They're in a difficult space in terms of contemporary uh, PC politics. They're in a difficult space in terms of... um, psychoanalytical relation to the world because they see the world as a potential Mm -hmm. place of sex yeah um they're in a difficult space in terms of um removing themselves for like the 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 way that ourselves have to be separated Mm-hmm. Like now, like, like you know, like like the the way we we operate in um, rituals. Yeah. So they separate 
things because it's very easy. Yeah. Like we do that naked, we do that clothed, we do that with this clothes, we do that with the other clothes. Yeah. Um, and I think because they carry this, you know, lack of uh, experience or, or or this this, how can I put it? This I don't uh, know. They, they 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 build attention there. Yeah. Um, they they bring in underwear to deal with this tension of clothed and and naked. They are cowards. They are cowards. What time is it? And the philosopher of the week time. Ah, okay. This week, yes, we have a philosopher from Spain. <gasps> a contradiction in terms. <laughs> I thought you didn't think people in Spain think. Eh. Occasionally they do. It's an interesting case. So his name is Miguel de Unamuno. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, have never heard of that name. Me neither. And I think uh, when we picked him, when I picked him, it was probably because it wasn't anyone else starting from you. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. But I read 
uh, today I read through like um, I skimmed through his uh, big most important essay first of all he's an interesting case because he's a philosopher but also a poet a theater like writer um, so he kind of he liked kind of blurring the you know the lines between the disciplines uh-huh. he was um, at the early 20th century um, and yeah he had some interesting concepts if you want to hear please and so he really liked this idea he called intra historia where he thought that we it's better to understand history not through the big events but through the stories of like anonymous people it's kind of like anthropology yeah but before it was cool he was kind of yeah it's Hispanish. There are, you know, don't expect something extraordinary. It's okay. It sounds okay. <laughs> and his most famous book is called The Tragic Sense of Life Del, Sentim- del Sentimiento Tragico de la Vida. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's an existential, poetic, philosophical text. And it's about early 20th century, you said. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's before before the so world. So he 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 doesn't live. Mm, no, okay. It's even with olive oil and good <laughs> Spanish um, paella, paella, you don't live that much. Mm-hmm. And he, it was before I think before the World War Two. So that was also something that later on, uh, before he died, he kind of said, oh. If on if I knew I would be even more bleak, the book is quite p- pessimistic actually. Um, what I liked from from what I've seen in this book uh, is that he basically says that there are two ways to deal with the fact that we are all going to die and we know that we're going to die. And the one way to deal with it is faith, and his uh, he likes Catholicism. And the other way... He liked Catholicism? He liked it, yeah. Oh, dear. Um, uh, even though he didn't like, you know, the dictators and stuff. <coughs> and the other thing is, the other way is uh, rationality. And even ah, though... So he's, he sees rationality as a, as a way to deal, uh, like, uh, as the same as faith. Yeah, basically. Interesting, but, interesting. But then he says, this is the interesting part... But then, he, as he discusses these two concepts, he basically says that the, neither of the of them is actually good <laughs> to deal with uh, the fact that we are all going to die and we know it. And faith is slightly better. Slightly better. <laughs> okay. Oops. <laughs> That's it. <laughs>
I'm not too sure about your coverage of um, the philosopher of the week. What can I do? From all the 26 philosophers, I have to agree, this is one... Filler material. It's a little bit of filler material. Actually, the book is fun. The Tragic Sense of Life. It's, it's, it's an interesting book. It's very... It's very fun. Let's just uh, say then that... Uh, I didn't go Our there. listeners uh, will discover this person themselves. Yeah. If they have high tolerance for um, Christian Misery. philosophy <laughs> from Spain. Shall we go to a word? Let's take another word. Let's forget about Unamuno. Let's take another word and forget about You know what? Uh, we have a really exciting word actually coming up. Uh-huh. It's the word, the word underground underground like the the tube <laughs> yeah like um, yeah like basements no uh, like culturally i think no but I, i think the i'm not sure if the underground uh, tunnels is is irrelevant to what we call underground culture Mm, I don't know. Tell us about it. I mean, I mean, I'm not. You know, I don't want to go too much linguistically into this <coughs> because I don't know it so well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, underground film, for example, underground cinema, mm. and underground music, and so on, um, is 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 a sort of synonym, from what I understand, to counterculture, what we call. Yeah. Um, it's not the same as experimental. Oh, okay. It's not the same as experimental. Mm, it's not the same as avant-garde. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, it's not the same, in case you were wondering. I was wondering, actually. It's not the same. Um, there is a significant um, class difference between the two. Okay. Um, the avant-garde is something that generally crosses classes. Right. Whereas underground cultures are only to be found adjacent to the working class. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. Let me think <laughs> about it. So, um, underground is is traditionally connected with shoddy lifestyles, right. um, with drugs and uh, um, transgressive scenarios mm -hmm. uh, this is that's why it's underground it's, Because it's illegal it's sort of illegal yeah sort of illegal um whereas the avant-garde is you know of course they overlap yeah. to some extent <coughs> but they're not the same And the <coughs> a lot of the avant-garde happens in i don't know uh <coughs> You can't it? even speak about it. <coughs> yeah. We had to have a small disruption <coughs> because avant-garde is literally choking you. Choking me, choking me. Yes, <laughs> yes. it's my destiny um, your, to your, die. Your demise, rather. Yeah, my demise. Um. <laughs> so you, you were saying that avant-garde is a little bit more like upper class. Or like or yeah, I mean, or not like necessarily that. like this, but I think it just it just the avant-garde just crosses. Yeah, yeah. 
the the different classes i would say but even with the underground and with the i don't know the hedonistic or whatever you you will have some i don't know rich people who are like you know oh yeah yeah i'm not talking by any chance uh, it's not demographic you mean more like i guess culturally i don't understand no i i mean contextually you know i don't mean like each person at a time right okay i just mean that you know yeah okay also one can say well it's not like the avant-garde directly goes into museums and things like that exactly but but quicker let's say than underground the underground resists the the museum more it's more transgressive it's more um dirty and it doesn't make a claim to be revolutionary right Maybe that's the difference that you want. Okay, that's a it's good not difference. About, it's not about uh, people changing coming things. together and changing the world. Yeah. And pro- proposing something different to the world. It's right. about doing it, you know, their own way. So away we, from the light of the mainstream. You're but right. it might still, it, it might, you know, it's like the difference between... Um, an underground punk band and a mainstream punk band yeah. in terms of sound might be none. Right. It's all in the context. Whereas if a band, band described itself as a, an avant-garde punk band, you would expect some kind of deconstruction of the form. Right. Does, does, that, does it make sense it now? It does. I'm, I'm curious, like, because with the avant-garde, obviously, it's hard to talk about avant-garde like in the present because i don't know of, of the historical almost museological aspect of the term now um no and also because um the avant-garde is never in the present right it, the, the avant-garde is a is retro term yeah, is, yeah, a, yeah. is a term that looks into the past right I, 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 Someone can possibly say the same about underground, though. Is it? Uh, that's that was my next question. So, can you kind of say, okay, this our party is underground, or like this is the underground like culture? Of Probably today. you can say it more so than the avant-garde. Yes, right. You can say more so because it's easier. Like with the avant-garde, it's something that you have to look. Okay, did that really do something? which was then reappropriated and like what were they really the you know the first people that did that yeah which is what the avant-garde is about you you need you need time to be able to tell and whereas with the underground you can say yeah they were just like a bunch of punks and they are in some basement and this is underground culture a lot of underground culture is is rubbish what about like the digital kind of era? Is there like a digital underground? I'm not the right person to answer this, but I'm sure there is a digital underground. Right. I mean, first of all, there is the digital transgressive forbidden dark web and so on. Right. That's a That's form of a digital underground. Yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily cultural or it might be. It might be. How would you know? Like we don't know. And, and also, you know, um, sharing for example illegal porn and stuff like that mm. this is a form of underground yeah because you said it's not politically good to be underground no either. underground means means nothing it doesn't it actu- doesn't actually mean progressive it doesn't mean revolutionary it just means uh, undercover like under under the radar but we are interested in uh, in the underground no 
Um, I don't know. Are we? I think we. I, I th it I goes th back to the usual and usual a little bit. I think there is this idea that the underground is something that you haven't seen over the ground. Therefore, it has this value of like yeah, I'm not shock or whatever. I don't know. I'm not particularly interested in it in in recent years. I think um, I feel it feels a little bit like uh, a kind of boyish hobby. To, uh, to to spot the underground. To spot the underground, yes. Um, mm. I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what to make of it. Politically, I don't know what to make of it. Also, because um, you know, wh where do you draw the line um, of the fact that uh, yeah, the the movement that uh, supported Trump w was a sort of underground. Yeah. So it's not it, it's not that anything that is transgressive and grassroots is good. No, no. I mean that's that's what right wing people say nowadays anyway that they are the counterculture because you know all this kind of neoliberal capitalism is doing is has appropriated the language of uh whatever like rights and identity politics and stuff. Therefore to oppose this is the real counterculture. Is counterculture the underground? I think they overlap a, a lot, yeah. I think they overlap a lot. Mm. Maybe they use more that term now. They use the term counterculture. Maybe. As opposed to underground. I think. I mean, I it think. It sounds a little bit more like <coughs> nuanced to say counterculture yeah. versus. I think underground has a, a sort of aggressive. Yeah, undertone to it. Yeah, um, even illegal. Undertone Is Vita underground? No. Has it ever been? Not really. No. Over the ground, plants grow towards the sand. Apart from potatoes. You ever want to reach out and touch the world? Reach out and see this world where you can. See a lot of these questions get answered before they're even asked, but we'll go over them anyway. Uh, I wanted to know if the change in your music, the sound, and she, she said you really sound like you have it together now. If that's permanent, and I'm sure it is. Dreams. And dreams, you know, become reality. The first thing is dreams. And dreams, you know, become reality. Who was a man who thought he was an owner? But he knew it couldn't last Juju left his home in Tucson, Arizona For some California grass Get back, let's... And this is Reverend Lions again reminding you That yours truly, Reverend Lions, will be in service That's tomorrow night for that miracle rainbow candlelight service You make plans to meet me there And you'll be so glad, so glad you did So, if looking at it from this country, as though uh, English music right now seems to be at a plateau. Things just don't happen to us who love God, to us that have taken our stand, no matter the lot, the course, 
or the price, things just don't happen their plan. And the beautiful poem, we are in the Lord's care, and he plans each day of our life. How many takes did it take to get that done? Sweet Loretta Martin thought she was a woman, but she was another man. Well, all the girls around her said she's got it coming, but she gets it while she can. I was going to ask you something about the guitar playing, at least on uh, that next song we're going to listen to. How was that done at the end? Is it overdubbed many times where it starts to build up towards the end of that song? Because it sounds really nice. It starts out very slow. Here's a word on a unique job opportunity. Help People Incorporated is a company of positive thinking people who really get off to helping others. Here's how it feels to be really happy with a job. I don't have any questions to give you from audience people at this point, but uh, they know they can call. Uh, after tonight's show at the Tower, you're on to someplace else. Your schedule seems to be pretty busy. Are you looking forward to, uh, to playing tonight? Uh, a lot of your fans are. We have a crowd of people here at the station this afternoon <laughs> trying to get to you. Oh, I like that song. I've always liked it. Praise God, come and dine the master call. We're back. <sighs> you know, we didn't speak about sex <laughs> the for past a couple of words. Two words. So let's talk about urinals. Oh, urinals. The urinals are are also to do with art. Art, though. yeah, very much so. But underground uh, art. No, not underground. Avant-garde, for yes. sure. Uh, what 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 uh, what do you want to say about urinals? I want. Do to you like them? Pissing. No, I hate them. You don't like pissing in front of other people? No. No way. I, I, I imagine that you would not, ne- I, not like that. Okay, I used to I used to be very private with uh, pooping and pissing. So I would Now you poop with other people. No, with <laughs> other people. But in the same I poop in public toilets, which was impossible. I used to say that I need four walls uh, to in order to to poop and also I couldn't poop in friends' houses, for example. Um, anyway, not that now, you know, I poop everywhere like a poop machine. But <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I've made some progress. But with pissing, growing up, uh, growing up, I couldn't pee in front of other people. So urinals were my big nemesis. There aren't really that many in, in Greece. Greece. Exactly, so it would it wouldn't be that often, uh, but I would find it really difficult. And I also had this experience of like when we were traveling with uh, my my family, if we would stop in the in the road and I would have to pee, it would be so hard it for takes me. Takes really long. It takes. I but let's let's go back to urinals. Yeah. So I moved to, when I moved to the UK. They're much more common mm-hmm. and. And uh, and also like not a big deal, right? Like um, you know, it's part of the culture. Yes. They li- and also it's b- big part of also the gay culture about the cruising thing. Yes. So uh, there is a part of me that wanted to participate in the you know the cruising experience and also like the yeah the you know I I like this obscene culture where everyone is 
putting like, uh, cocks next to each other. Circle like. jerks. It is very much that. <laughs> and in a country with such a difficult relationship with fucking nudity. Like, yes. This is their only moment of like celebrating nudity big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it has to do with the problem with alcohol they have. Ah, yeah, sure. It's not. This is the why they like urinals so much, because they drink all this beer. And then... This is something I found out in, in, in the UK. Even if you're very shy about pissing, if you drink two big beers, your body will, you know... Just expel it in any uh, way possible. Uh, you, you know, there's no space for negotiating and shyness. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. It all goes down the drain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Anyway... And then I had, so when I overcame my urinal uh, phobia, phobia uh, I started having these first encounters of the cruising uh, experience. And it's very fascinating because it's so old school <laughs> that someone will look at your penis and you will look at their penis. And yeah, they, it's like they, a 70s porn. And they it? start like stroking and... There is a moment of hesitation and it's like, oh, is it sexual or is it just a very thorough... Um, <laughs> <laughs> thorough what? <laughs> like, uh, thorough... How? What's the verb? Like Curiosity. No, no, like the... Expelling the urine, <laughs> urine from mm-hmm. the penis. Mm-hmm. Um, tinkling? I don't know. Tinkling, yes. Um... Anyway, and it's like also this, like there are other people who might come in the toilet um, and and then they, and then I am like, okay, now I understand and respect the urinal. <laughs> it's, it's been a journey for me mm-hmm. and I can do it even without a beer. I can just go and do it. Maybe it's because my body is kind of growing older and I cannot... Like my unconscious cannot hold it anymore. <laughs> the liver wins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the brain is like, does not control the body anymore as, as it used to. But did you know that the, uh, some time before Marcel Duchamp suggested that the urinal is like a found art yeah he received a postcard from baroness from new york yeah with a urinal on it yes i know that she's the mind behind that artwork it's quite a it's a scandalo it is it is isn't it i love it it's one of my favorite you know, art history, like feminist aha moments. Yeah. It's quite exciting when you first go and see it. Uh, the Pombidou, the urinal. You saw it? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because it's such a mythical object. And at the same time, yeah, a urinal. <laughs> yes. Well, you didn't say it. What, you, what are your feelings about the urinals? I like them. Do you? Mm-hmm. I like them. What yes. do you like about them? Ah, you know I like I this this uh, 
seconds of uh, sexual tension at any random point in life that then just goes away. So you have a little rush and goes away. I'm not too keen on uh, uh, gay crew. I think when gays go into sex, they yeah. ruin everything. Yeah. Because they want everything to be explained and made lists of and uh, analyzed and clarified. Do they? They kill all... Spontaneity. Yes, and, and, and uncertainty. Right. Uncertainty. Um, there, is no, there is no reason why when you are in a urinal and you pee and there is someone else peeing next to you, yeah. there is not even a reason to look. You are actually having a sexual moment together, period. Right, right. I'm with you. And you know what is my favorite part about the urinals now? That I've overcame the pissing difficulty and uh, we demystified the, the cruising question. Mm -hmm. I really, really like the urinal candies. <laughs> in Germany I'm sure they actually eat them of course Do you know what time it is? Yes, it's the poetry time. Oh, okay. 
and uh, we have a it's 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 an unusual episode. It is usual, unusual, usual, unusual. Uh, your uh, philosopher of the week the was the catastrophe uh, of the philo- <laughs> philosopher, and the poetry is also a, a strange, strange choice. Yeah, and um, what do we have? We have uh, actually a, a music band, uh, a band project which yeah. from the nineties, uh, or they rose to fame in the nineties. Yeah. And it's Underworld. Mm-hmm. Um, they were uh, famous for their the song to the the kind of theme song from Train Spotting. Do they have other songs? I don't know. <laughs> That's their know. only famous song, really. Yeah. Um, a very a very particular project because it was this kind of pumping techno mm-hmm. electro thing, really really hard, and on top of it what I consider poetry basically should we make like a fita album like that we've tried I think haven't we have we this kind of 90s techno with spoken word heavily reverbed spoken word um, I don't I wouldn't have a problem if you want to write the lyrics yeah I will okay so I'll, I'll read um, I'll, I'll read a little bit which is funny um um because it's it's normally a song mm-hmm. but i'll read um from a piece called juanita kiteless to dream of love mm-hmm. um from 1996 your rails your thin your thin paper wings your thin paper wings in the wind dangling your sun Fly, your window shattering, your rails, your thin paper wings, your thin sugar box, sugar boy, riding in, riding in, sugar box, sugar boy, handheld candle, sugar boy, your rails, your thin, your thin paper wings in the wind dangling, your sun, your window shattered in the wind, your Coca-Cola saint rattling, Rattling, resonator, homeless strays gathering outside your window, bootleg babies call to you, lying among the mosquitoes. That summer's fever coming, cats are gathering outside your window, homeless strays, bootleg babies lying among, calling to you, lying among the mosquitoes, your thin, your rails in the wind, your thin paper wings, your sun fly dangling, dangling your window shattered in the wind, the sun lying, your Coca-Cola sign, your thin, your rails, paper wings, resonator, homeless strays, gathering outside your window, bootleg babies call to you, lying among the mosquitoes and the summer's fever coming, cats are gathering outside your window, homeless strays, bootleg babies calling to you, lying among, lying among the mosquitoes, your rails, your sun fly, your thin paper wings in the wind, dangling, dangling, your window shattered in the wind, the sun and on your Coca-Cola saint, your thin paper wings, your rails, paper wings, talk to me, there is a sound on the other side of this wall, burning singing on the other side of this wall, of this glass. Silence is preserving the voice, footsteps concealed, walking in the wind at the water's edge, comes close to covering my rubber feet, 
listening to the barbed wire hanging. There is a sound on the other si side of this wall, burning singing on the other side of this glass, footsteps concealed, silver chain, silences preserving the voice, thrown away, broken wing. Silver and blue and blue and denim and silver and red and silver and red and blue and yellow and white and blue and blue and red and gray and red and green and blue and yellow and black and black and red and green and white and blue and gray and blue and white and yellow and black and white and blue and red and white and red and gray and blue and gray and red and red and red and yellow and green and silver and black and green and black and silver and white and gray and blue and blue and red and curry and green and gray and green and white and satin and black and silver and white and green and black and red and blue and blue and blue. What did you think? <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> it's truly wonderful. They, they were... Um, they, I don't think they understood them in the 90s at all, at all. Um, I mean, okay, it's, 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 they were on drugs, I guess, the people that were listening. Yeah, um, so in, in a way they understood. I guess, but it was, um, it took me a while to actually, because it was very difficult to, the thing with this, this band is because it's extremely loud, the music, it was difficult to listen to it at home. Yeah. It was like you were suddenly in a club. <laughs> yeah. But then if you didn't listen to it like carefully, you didn't realize that it's actually quite intense poetry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm now really intrigued to, to read more about the, the people behind these projects, actually. I, I think um, after Underworld or at some point mm. he started writing. That makes sense. It's yeah. very... It's beautiful poetry, yeah, basically. Yeah, it's quite beautiful, yeah. And the haifish, der hat Zähne, and die trägt er im Gesicht. Und Mekiter hat ein Messer, doch das Messer sieht man nicht. An einem schönen blauen Sonntag liegt ein toter Mann am Strand und ein Mensch geht um die Ecke. Messer nennt und Schmulmeier bleibt verschwunden, wie so mancher reiche Mann und sein Geld hat Mecki Messer, dem man nicht beweisen Messer in der Brust und am Kai geht Mecki Messer, der von allem nichts gewusst und das große Feuer in so sieben Kinder und ein Greis in der Me 
Himmels Herrin, man nicht fragt und der nichts weiß und die Minderjährige Witwe, deren Namen jeder weiß, wacht er auf und ward geschenkt. Mäcki, welches war dein Preis? Denn die einen sind im Dunkeln und die anderen sind im Licht und man sieht die im Licht. It's almost finished. Really? Another episode is almost finished. Wow, we're Only getting two more words to take. Closer and closer to death. Yes, this project is almost dead. Um, so what's the penultimate word? It's quite an interesting one. It's the word Uber. Uber. We're Uber. not going to go into the German Uber mansion, all that, I guess. And Deutschland über alles. Mm-hmm. No, but I mean, it's funny that this is where it comes from. Obviously, it's quite an interesting choice uh, of a reference. But you mean that we're uh, going to focus app. on the app and the taxi thing? The taxi thing, yeah. I mean, this <laughs> this uh, podcast, it's pretty much a podcast about taxis. <laughs> Why do we talk about taxis so often? But it's it's uh, the sex thing, isn't it? it? It's funny, yeah. It fascinates us. Um, anyway, the Uber thing, the thing I I find interesting, especially now that I work in tech, lol, um, is this kind of uh, the Uber as a as a startup initiated this era of companies like startup tech startups that they they require a huge investment in order to kind of um, start operating. They require a huge amount of um, money and like different types of investors to put lots of like billions and billions of dollars or whatever uh, to, to, to make them. And then after they do that, after that initial phase of like uh, you know fundraising um, they don't make profits they lose money like and then and what? Uber, Uber was the first one of this like then there is like we work and other companies that did they do it even more successfully losing money <laughs> losing money They're successful in losing money year goes year comes they lose like they lose billions um, or millions or whatever they lose lots of money basically every year well, how does that work so the idea is that these companies they aim to have some sort of global monopoly eventually and in order to do that they have to to lose money for many years because they kind of have to disrupt the local mar- taxi markets, basically, 
And in order to do that, they have to offer their services cheaper. But how much money do they have to lose? And this is the the madness. The, the this company that's considered so successful keeps sl- losing. Keeps money. losing again. How many and years again and now? Again. Like five. More, more than uh, more than five. Probably closer to ten years. So at some point, you're like these investors. When do they want to make profit in the afterlife? <laughs> and also, like a big premise in this weird like funding situation is that you have global monopoly in order to make profit. So if anything in the process goes like slightly wrong, it's uh, it's uh, game over for Uber. And the other thing with, with this model is that for Uber to make profit, I think one of the other uh, prerequisites is that um, they invent first automatic cars <laughs> so it's quite like a high, ta- like you know, a very um, ambitious target uh, for a company. Um, so it's kind of mad, and it's this kind of Silicon Valley kind of startup mentality. And 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 Uber was like one of the first to do it, if not the first. And all these other like startups, like they do that, they raise money uh, without promising any sort of profits to the shareholders. So it's kind of a new era for capitalism because you know capitalism is very profit driven <laughs> from uh, the very beginning yeah and 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 it's like really an acceler- accelerationist kind of fever dream this kind of model i don't know it just doesn't make any sense to me and and i mean i d- like and i've read things about it and like i kind of makes sense if you have a really strong suspension of disbelief and if you do believe also that the planet will you know prosper <laughs> for a long time <laughs> and uh yeah all these things um anyway but yeah that's super thank you Time flies, eh? Yes, indeed. Well, don't know. Does it fly? P- list, p- uh, podcasts that, that last two hours? It's not exactly time flies, is it? No, it's like a torture. <laughs> uh, people suffering to support us. Let, let, let the audience decide if they're suffering or not. I think they're suffering. They've suffered so much through life. But but there is a moment yes. where all suffering ends. And? And all happiness begins. Uh-huh. And what moment is that? And there is no pain anymore. In life? No. And that's utopia. That is utopia. Our final word. Utopia. What is utopia? Well, it's a place that doesn't exist, as the word suggests in ancient Greek. Uh huh. It's uh, the perfect place. It's the opposite of the dystopia. Uh huh. Where everything is shit. 
But is it? Well, that's the question. So to think that there is a place that where there is no, you know, unhappiness. Uh-huh. What is it? Naive. No, it's worse. Worse than naive. Naive? Reactionary. Naive is... No, worse than reactionary. Worse than reactionary. Impossible. Mm, I would say worse than impossible. Uh-huh. What is it then? It's fascist. Oh. It's like the fantasy of unity and the fantasy of um of a place where there is no need for things to change. Because the the idea of a utopia is that yeah. The, the nothing needs to change. Nothing needs to change. Like you we've reached perfection. How awful. How awful. 